0: We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object
1: traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the northern Atlantic.
2: Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening.
3: I feel retrogasmic. 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 We're DD
0: Deluxe and Hetty Lebomb. Welcome to the Retrogasmic podcast. I'm DD Deluxe,
3: and I'm Hetty Lebomb.
0: Today's show is dedicated to, uh, I guess, the New Zealand community and how they've coped with the earthquake events that have happened to us over the last five to ten years. Uh, We've got the guys from the Rockabilly Show and Shine and and from the Kaikoura Hop. Both festivals have been instrumental in rebuilding their um, respective communities after being absolutely decimated by the the two big shakes. And we've got... um, friend of the podcast, Monique Sweet, who came through a, a truly horrendous event in the big Christchurch earthquake. We've also got vintage trivia. And,
3: and a movie review from me, Wild Guitar, 1962. Oh,
0: that's a classic. And what else have we got?
3: Well, we're going to call Winky and she, see what oh, she's doing.
0: Of course. Can't forget Winky. So let's get into the, uh, it's a long show, so let's get into the trivia. Um have a think about this. What were the Madison, the swim, the mashed potato, the frug, the Watusi, the Shake, and the Hitchhike?
3: Ooh, I wonder.
0: Answer later in the show. <laughs> Miss Monique Sweet.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Hi, yeah. Thank you very much for talking to the Retro Podcast. We do really appreciate it. Um, This show is dedicated to uh, people within the vintage community over here that uh, lived through the the handful of horrible earthquakes we've had in the last five or ten years, and uh, the way they've kind of dealt with it, what they've done to help rebuild their communities. We've spoke to the guys at the Kaikoura Hop and the Rookabilly Show and Shine, of course, down in Christchurch. And... um, a couple of people suggested we speak to you. Um, what I'd like to do is just let you tell your story.
1: Oh, okay. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on. And I um, I feel very fortunate that you feel that I have a story to share and that people might not only engage with, but maybe maybe take something from. Um, for sure. So, so I guess like my whole story, for those of you who haven't heard or this is your first time hearing about me... um. I was involved in the February earthquake that happened in 2011 uh, in Christchurch and I was working in the Pine Gall Corporation building, which was one of the two major buildings that collapsed. Uh, So I was working on the first floor at the time for a um, a trustee company called Perpetual Trustees and I um, basically... I had just left my desk at 12.51, so 12.50, and the earthquake happened at 12.51, which is extremely, it's it's fortunate for me um, in that particular instance. Um, And I was trapped for about five hours. I wasn't just trapped in like a, a, you know, waiting in a giant hole kind of cave area. I was pinned underneath one of those old school chairs, you know, the ones, the, the metal frames. <laughs> yep. Um, and I was, I had a giant concrete beam on top of me. So I was trapped like that with the, the chair collapsing um, every time we had a, a strong aftershock. And I was trapped with five other people. We were called the Cafeteria Five um, on the first floor. And we were we were five of probably the most fortunate people in our office from my work at that time because basically to break it down for you, there were about 40 people in my office. Um, 10 people from my work didn't make it out that day. Another 10 were injured and then the rest of us either came out with substantial injuries or, um, or we walked out of the building. And I was one of the people who I walked out that day, and then had, say, um, thankfully, thank you to my lovely rescuer, uh, Michael, Michael Hereford, if anyone wants to know. <laughs> um, yeah, and... I mean, I,
0: I can't imagine being in a situation like that. I mean, I guess everybody in their life experiences mm-hmm. close shaves, you know, people jumping the lights or, or, you know, getting a bit out of your depth out at sea or something like that. But to be, to be stuck... For that length of time, I can't imagine. I mean, what what's your mindset like? How do you how do you process
4: that?
1: So I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, Initially, there's this whole scenario of you don't know what's happened, Um, and that was the first thing that actually happened. We didn't know that the building had collapsed. We thought that the roof had just come down on us. Like we were. I don't know if that was somewhat denial. Um, or hopeful thinking but when we started getting the major drafts coming through and we started hearing we could we could hear the helicopters um and you could feel the rain when the rain started so we kind of knew that something was up then and we were on the first floor so we were on the first floor of five floors and we were we were the pancake you know we were the base of the pancake yeah. um and so from going through you know you don't really know what's happened to not believing what's happened or not believing the situation you're in. So, for instance, um, after the when the earthquake happened, I actually just thought it was this microwave making a loud noise. I was like, oh, that's an odd noise for that to be making. And it happened so quickly. And this is something that people don't understand. They think that when an earthquake happens, you know, you've got heaps of time to run under a door frame, or run yourself outside of the building. But in this particular circumstance, like this particular earthquake, it was maybe less than three seconds or two seconds, maybe not even that in between it starting to shake the building, literally jumping up and down. I threw myself at a table just to try and get underneath it. And I didn't even make it underneath the table. I ended up having the door on top of me when I first came to. So when as I came to, I mean once the shaking stopped. Um, so when when I say I didn't really believe the situation I was in, um when the earthquake, when the shaking stopped for me, I was actually pinned down underneath, as I said, the table that was on top of the chair that I eventually got under. But I had my knees literally, sorry, my head literally pinned down to my knees with my legs out flat. So, I didn't really know what had happened, and I was kind of like in the state of, "Whoa, what's happened?" Okay, I just need to get out of this situation, and I'll um, be in, be able to move into another one. And like, I literally had to pull my leg so hard that I went through about seven, seven to months to a year worth of um, physiotherapy just to get it back into like a shape where I could use it for normal day to day activity. Um, and like that side kinda like, kind of like you, you when you're put into a situation where you don't know what's happened, you go through phases of, okay, well, one step, two step, three step survival mode. Yep, yep. And um, when when I was trapped underneath the seat, now that was a whole different instance, I literally thought I was going to die. Like when I say literally, I mean I phoned my grandmother to say goodbye because I knew like we managed to get through on a light out and I because I, I was in such a dire situation where I had so much pressure on me from this concrete beam that my choices were limited. I didn't. I didn't think I had an out. I did. And and when you start to come to terms with, okay, something bad has happened. And if our building is like this, what is the rest of the buildings going to be like?
0: Right. So so your um, you already mentioned your your rescuer. How how just describe how he got to you and, and how you managed to get out because it sounds like you were in a pretty. Uh, you know, a, a pretty yeah. serious situation.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, again, like, so, so fortunate to have Michael. He was actually just an average Joe who was He was asleep when the earthquake happened. And he came from the outskirts of town, just drove off, left his mother screaming at him in tears. He was coming to just see if he could help. And he stopped at our building. And he decided, because you have to understand, in this particular, like, in this type of circumstance, people don't know what to do it's not a normal circumstance and everyone, all the emergency services were so sort of thinly spread across the city. Like they didn't really have a huge amount of options. So he actually took it upon himself to go and take on a role where he was like, okay, I don't have any family. I'm going to go and I'm going to try and see if I can find the gaps and try and make my way through to see if I can, if, if I can hear anyone or if I can see anything and go through just the gaps instead of like, I don't know how else they got through us. Oh, yeah. the cutting of concrete, for instance, or um, or yeah. So he went through that way. He literally went into the like a gap in the side, and then was just trying to find people when they could hear them, so they could go onto the gl- ground floor just to give you kind of like a how it actually happened. And they could hear people if they could hear people making noises, they would then try to find where in the building they are. Brave man. He is, a, he is a super brave man. He actually had a firefighter who was there with him that day um, who was like maybe 18 or 19. He didn't know how old he was and he's never been able to find him. So maybe this is our chance to find Matt, the firefighter who worked with Michael. Let,
0: the- let's hope someone, uh, yeah, I mean that, that, <laughs> the bravery in that situation, I, I, I can't imagine that. It's, it's, it's incredible. So they, they eventually found you and, and somehow managed to pull you out?
1: Yeah, so so Michael went through all these gaps to make a path for us. So what ended up happening was so we've been trapped for quite a while and we could we could hear rescuers um helping other people in like a couple of portions of the building. Um but the f- the first time when we heard someone was kinda heard a noise underneath and I was a bit um and I'm not ashamed to say this, I was a bit uh not over dramatic, what's the term, where you're um I was, I was terrified.
0: <laughs> I mean, and understandably. I mean, there's, 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 no, there's no shame in that.
1: Yeah. So I was literally, I heard a noise and I just started screaming at the top of my lungs, much to the dismay of the four other people who were around me. <laughs> and um, someone ended up hearing us. So we all started yelling together and they heard us from the ground floor underneath us. And the thing is they kept asking us where we were and we couldn't understand that they didn't know where we were. Because we didn't realize the state of the building at that stage. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were they were trying to come up to us. And then they, they ended up sending Michael in. And Michael just was like, okay, well, we know they're on this floor. And that's all the information he had to go in. He, they're on this floor. They're somewhere in the middle. And that's how he found us from so, there. So
0: he basically climbed through gaps and kept clearing yep. away until he made almost like a tunnel for you guys to crawl yep. back yep. out of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, It's interesting because we actually had rescuers come to us, try and come to us from the top, so from the top of the floor. So they must have been on the second or third floor, and they kept saying, "Oh, we're on your floor. Can you see our torchlight?" And we were like, "No, nope, we can't see your torchlight at all." And we're like that's when you kind of started thinking, oh, "Okay, maybe it's bad." <laughs>
0: so, so an entire five-story building basically collapsed down to effectively the basement and one another floor.
1: Yeah, so everything fell onto the first floor. So the ground floor was still there, but the first, second, third, fourth and fifth floor were all pancaked on top of each other. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: So, I mean, I know uh, since then you've gone mm-hmm. on to do some some great things. I mean, I know yourself and Fran both uh, – have done amazing things in the, the New Zealand vintage scene you've got a, a very successful business um you've mentored lots of other people how do you go from a situation like that that could quite easily affect you long term and and you know I mean a lot of people would, I suspect would take a, you know years to get over something like that how do you bounce back what what's the you know what goes on inside your head
1: Hey, look, I'm the first to admit that i it's taken years to get to where I am today. Uh, I think that the difference in my mindset is I've looked at this, you know, this event was such an unfortunate thing to happen, but it's so fortunate, and then I've reflected on it and gone, okay, I'm not going to be defined by this circumstance, but what I am is going to let it, you know, it it showcases, you know, I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. Right. And how am I going to live my life so that the people who passed away like, and I know that this is horrible way of saying it, you know, you know I, I survived. So how am I going to live up to that almost, you Privi- know. Privilege. Privilege, like, yeah. yeah, it's exactly that. It's, it's a privilege. And I have always gone, you know, this is, this is my second chance. Like, you know, I've had a lot of luck <laughs> to get to where I am today. So how would I want to live that? And that's by being unapologetically myself. I don't want to have to hide behind, oh, no, I can't do that because, you know, X, Y, Z is going to look at me funny. I kind of go, well, do I want to do this? Yes. Okay, then I'm going to try. It's, it's like when you look at it from a perspective of, you know, you know, things that I have achieved in my life like in the last couple of years if it scares me or if it's something where you know I could I could second guess myself as to whether or not I should do it right. it instantly makes me go well obviously it's I should do it at the least I should try because I need to overcome this fear yeah
0: yeah I mean it's 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 inspiring and 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 it's 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 nice to hear you speaking like this because um i mean i i I can't imagine being in a situation like that and it's great to hear that you've you know you've not only come come out of it but you've you've taken something good from it it's you know that's fantastic what's um what's on the cards in the future for you what what have you got short-term medium-term goals all that kind of stuff
1: oh honestly At the moment, um, I'm just full on preparing for Christmas at my work, (laughs) if I'm completely honest. Outside of that, well, I would say that my my goals are to – I've tried to take a step back from doing so much work and and being involved in the community on that front – to try and actually be involved at the community at the forefront, like going to events and actually participating and being involved with the people. Yeah. Cause that's why I got involved in this particular scene. Well, not other than the fact that I love, you know, everything about the style of the genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason I got involved is cause there's it's such an amazing group of people who are involved in it yeah. and I want to get back into the heart of it and yeah. actually hang out with those people, get to know them more and you know, at the very least, help motivate the next generation to come up and, you know, try out new things at the very least, because that's what we're all about. You know, some people are so afraid to come into the scene because they don't want to be seen as different, but that's what we are. We're all different. We're all individuals. So why not just do it?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we we spend um, half our time traveling around the country playing at these events. (laughs) And, you know, obviously we see you guys there quite a bit. Um, and the thing we've noticed in the last couple of years is the the influx of um, yes. much, much younger people, but it's the diversity of the people, Yes. rather than just kind of people that kind of like the cars or kind of like the music and are therefore crossed over into the style as well. Mm-hmm. There's people Definitely. from everywhere, every color, shape, um, religion, creed, ideology, definition, I mean, literally every single facet yeah. of humanity. Um and they walk in the doors, and everybody just goes, "Yeah, that's fine. What do you yep. want to do?" It's it's utterly amazing. I love it. I really do love it. And people like yourself and Fran and a few others are, I think, responsible for for kind of you know like the catalyst for that change. So you know, big round of applause from us in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thank you so much, thank you so much for talking yeah. to us. Um, Hopefully, we'll catch up with you again soon. Um, what, what's the next big event you guys are doing?
1: Oh, what's the next big event? Actually, do you know what I'm really excited about? Ribble Roundup 2019. Oh,
0: in February, is it?
1: Yeah, we're going to get a caravan. We're going to head on down to that and spend the whole weekend there. So I'm really excited about that one.
0: Fantastic. It was really
1: stuff. good last year. Oh, sorry, this year. Gosh, where's the time going, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the next upcoming big event that I'll be heading on to.
0: Wonderful stuff. Look, thank you so much for talking to us. Really appreciate it.
1: Okay, thanks
4: for having me. Bye-bye. Where's Winky?
0: Here's Winky. Hi, Winky. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing good today, and how are you?
0: Living the dream. Living the dream. Living
4: the dream. So uh, <laughs> uh,
0: where are you? What are you up to?
4: Right, okay. So today, actually, what I'm doing today is I'm actually stuck in the kitchen trying to bake a cake.
0: Okay, what, what, what kind of cake are we talking about? We, uh, today
4: we're, go- we're going for a sponge cake, but do you know what? I on. just, for the life of me, I can't bake, I can't cook. My, my limits only go up to like baked beans in the microwave, so I've had the mixer on, there's eggs all up the wall, there's flour <laughs> everywhere, but I am looking deliciously amazing today in my Lindy Bop Las Vegas dress, because... We all need a little sparkle sometime and today's one of those days. So
0: now I've got this wonderful mental image of you in a in a, a Lindy Bop dress with one of those 1950s um, aprons on and and either your hair up in in curlers oh. or something.
4: <laughs> well, wow. I'm telling you I actually have been trying to sort of go back into a more classic mode in regards to doing things day to day yes i get on my hands and knees and scrub the floor because they done it back then and they were, and it all worked perfectly fine so today i'm cooking a cake and i'm going from an old edmund's cookbook and um but yeah it, it just baking hates me uh, so what, i don't hey, know hey,
0: hey that's good the, look, the last time i baked was probably a decade ago and i tried to make some biscuits for someone oh. and uh I had to throw them out, and the birds wouldn't eat them either. They were just—they oh. were like little frisbees. They were solid. Hey, look. Um, uh, changing the subject slightly, today's show is uh, is all about the New Zealand earthquakes. Um, we've been talking to people about the Christchurch one and the Kaikoura one, and and you know just. I don't think people outside of New Zealand realise quite how badly it affected people. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did, didn't you get the tail end of the Kaikoura one yourself?
4: Yes, that was a that was a terrible night, I must admit. Yes, I was in Lower Hutt when the, um, when the earthquake hit. And um, yes, it was very, it was very, very traumatic, I have to admit. Although there was a slight bit of romance in the whole scenario. I got swept across the bed by my lovely partner, Scott, and, held me very tightly under the door frame until he uh, saw the TVs wobbling about and instantly dropped me and um, ran after all the televisions so <laughs>
0: <laughs> priority <laughs> so priorities nice
4: priorities i know don't worry about the winky just go for the TVs
0: <laughs> <laughs> now uh, but go on I, I remember you telling me a story about your mum as well that night
4: Oh, yes. My poor dear mother. Well, she takes her teeth out every night and puts them on the side of the cabinet, and she's got an orthopedic bed on wheels, and um, so the bed had gone flying across the room, literally, Um, and uh, she kind of barricaded herself in, and she was trying to scream for me, but she couldn't find her teeth, and... It was just it was utter chaos. It was utter I'm, chaos. I'm sorry
0: I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> it
4: was like...
0: It's not funny, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Winky's mum's listening. I, I, I know it must, yeah. must be it has be a horrible night. I am so, was really
4: funny. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. My poor mum. And even to this day, when she's positioning, we live in Tiawamushi now, so when we're positioning her bed around the room, we have to make sure that, you know, if it's going to roll anywhere, it's just going to roll back and forth off walls as opposed to up in corners of rooms and, you know, behind doors. But on a serious note, though, you know, uh, people in New Zealand, and I know there has been a lot of... people in the um, you know in the pinup community who have gone through such terrible yeah. uh, times especially down in Christchurch with the earthquakes and um, you know post-traumatic stress is a real thing and even now when trucks go past our house shakes quite drastically and I um, mean
0: oh, your you first know, and, thought is that it's an earthquake.
4: Ah, oh, all the time, all the time, wow. and you know it's it's a it's a very real thing. And I think when she when you have been through such large events which are completely out of your control, like earthquakes and so forth, um, you know, I, I think it's really important to address you know people's stress levels and their anxiety levels because trust me, it's very real. It, it's very very real. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, well,
0: look, I, and, know, I appreciate your honesty, and uh, it's a testament to the kind of the Kiwi mindset that. Everyone we've talked to so far has very honestly told us about what a horrible event they were all involved in, and then they're basically laughing about it and how they're rebuilding, and and, and lots of people seem to have... uh, uh, almost taking it as a life lesson which i, I find fascinating oh, you know
4: absolutely my, my absolutely.
0: first my first reaction would be to move somewhere where there aren't earthquakes
4: ah <laughs> uh, well that's what we done <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, clever girl, Yeah. well look thank you winky um no problem we, we, we will talk to you soon go and uh um, maybe
4: oh, pop
0: down to pack and yeah. save and get yourself a cake and just tell scott well. that you made it
4: yeah, well, I, Scott comes home for lunch every day at one o'clock and I always like to have a nice lunch for him, but he's going to come home to an absolute um, flower bomb in the kitchen I'm afraid, <laughs> so I might have to go and clean myself up for him and go to the supermarket and buy a cake. Oh good, thanks, <laughs> yeah. bye bye Winky, see ya. Alright, thank you, goodbye.
0: So we're lucky enough to be speaking with uh, with Doug O'Callaghan, uh, the Kaikoura Hop—it's um, a legendary event in New Zealand. To tell us a bit about um, how the event started, and then when the uh, that terrible earthquake hit the town and the area, and uh, and how you guys kind of got around it. Well, first of all, thank you very much, and yes, yeah, good to be talking
5: with you. Yeah, um, Kaikoura Hop started eight years ago, uh, sitting in my business at the time, going, well, what can we do in the uh, low season to help the uh, business community uh, shorten the low season? So, yeah, it started out with a, oh, let's get some cars here. I'm a bit of a car enthusiast. I wouldn't mind looking at cars. I just didn't want to go anywhere and do that. <laughs> so I was trying to track um, the cars here. So the first year we started out, it was a bit crazy. And we are thinking, oh, yeah, let's see what we can do. And we've got 20 or 30 cars here. Uh, we had 77 registered the first year, and uh, 177 showed up. Wow. And it was just um, awesome and, there, and each year from there it doubled so the next year we had 350 and then so we got to our best year at about 1100 cars um, at the rugby grounds which then prompted us to move to the race course, um, a 13 and a half acre venue um, which was much bigger and easier to manage and better layout than where we were at the uh, old rugby grounds. That was The first year we moved there, uh, very successful everyone was a bit sceptical about how far away we were going to be and what was happening. Um, and so we worked on that, and then the second year, of course, the um, earthquake struck yeah. straight after the first and,
0: event. And even by New Zealand standards, that was a biggie, wasn't
5: it? Uh, it was a huge one, yeah. I mean, I've never been so terrified in all my life of uh, the, the violence and the prolongedness of it. It was a two-minute earthquake, so it was constant for two minutes. You couldn't even stand up in my house. And we all eventually got outside and... Um, it was just uh, the most horrific. The noise, the, the ripping, and the tearing sounds of of the house at the time, and 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 just the sheer violence of it was just incredible. Something
0: you'll never ever forget. So, so for people listening outside of New Zealand that maybe haven't experienced earthquakes or you know have only basically seen them on the news, just just kind of go over what the change to the town was, because obviously we were here that last last year and we've seen things largely repaired but yep. at the time it was it was catastrophic wasn't it
5: it was we were cut off so no access in or out of the town anyway and we had three three ways to get into the north to the south and then an inland route and the whole three of them were just completely completely cut off you was no way of getting in unless you was, flew in
0: was that the earthquake tearing the roads up or was that yep. that was that rocks falling down from the mountains or
5: a bit of everything. Rocks, m- rocks falling down. There was massive slides and r- bridges were ripped out because it was it was an uplifting kind of a violent uplifting um, sort of an earthquake. You know, some of the areas along the coast had uplifted um, as high as six meters wow. out of the ground. So where there was water was up nearly at the road. Is now two hundred and fifty meters from the roadways and, and and there's beaches where there was never beaches before and. Um, yeah, it was, it's just an amazing when you see it along the coastlines here, and of course the coast is uh, got hills right to the beach, yeah. um, and and the roads are basically cut along the edge of the foot of the hill, and so they came down, boom, and they're still coming down, and they're working on that, and it'll be another two years away, I guess, before we see finished roads that we would expect that we could drive over nice in there hot rod, classics, muscles, <laughs> etc. You know, so it's just amazing at, stuff. So at one
0: point the way anyway, food and petrol and things like that were getting into the town was via, via boat, wasn't
5: it? Uh, yep, well it came in, the army were the first ones in with um, eight-wheel drive Unimogs um, coming in from the inland route. Uh, the first driver came in with uh, Unimog, we spoke to him and he said it was the most terrifying drive he had had in this massive big truck bringing in a truckload of uh, food. and. Um, was amazing. I mean, part of the earthquake that the main water line into town uh, had absolutely ruptured, just smashed apart. So, so there was you didn't no, even have drinking water. Unless no, not. not not for a start. And um, so there was temporary repairs done here and there, and pipes running on side of the road to get water down to full reservoirs. And it was just amazing. So wow. yeah, not even uh, we didn't have a cell phone reception or nothing. So so what time of year was that? That was in November. That um, I think uh, today we we're talking uh, the tenth. In four days' time at midnight,
0: it would have been the uh, fourteenth. Yep. Yeah. So this happened in November, and the following September you ran another Kaikoura hop. Is that right?
5: Correct. Never must have been. We ran straight in. We decided it was the, the community was at a low. Um, there was lots of uh, nothingness happening, and you know people trying to get things done and trying to move on. And we decided well. There is some form of access to Kaikoura so we decided that we would run the Kaikoura hop out regardless of what it cost. We were putting it on just to give the warm fuzzy feeling, the feel like they were human again and um, doing so. And so it was pretty cool. We had about 350 registered cars that year and probably about 500 um, odd cars showed up. Uh, was it, For us it was a quiet year but for the community, it was a great year. You know, it was fantastic. Just That's the, the people came. We had a lot of day trippers. Uh, accommodation is affected greatly. So it's not just the accommodation that was broken and damaged, but it was also. The workers that had come in were staying in accommodation. So there was also people with broken houses. So the broken house people were out of the houses and living in accommodation, rental accommodation, the motels yeah. or whatever. And also then there was people here to repair the houses that were living in the accommodation, accommodation yeah. as well. So it was a kind of a vicious circle and it still is today a little bit. Um, we still do have a lot of that use. There's still three motels um, that aren't in operation at the moment and we don't know what their future is or what's going right. to happen with them there's potential of a new Hotel complex being built by 2020 and ready to operate and go. And so that's going to ease a little bit of that pressure. The roadworks are getting better and they're getting further ahead with things. And um, and as they, as the progress forward, we're going to see more accommodation freed up. And then ha- and once the house repairs are done, then you're going to see more accommodation freed up. and Then that'll let us come back. So we have a target date of 2020, so September 2020 for the hop. Back to new normal. We'll be back to some form of new normal, yeah. whatever new normal will be. So different mindsets from the people in town and how they look and think about things and how precious things are or delicate things are really when you start to think about the big scheme of things, I guess, sure. really.
0: Um, I have to say, I mean, we, we were there this year. It was a fantastic event. We were um, we just said exactly the same thing to the guys at the Rockabilly Show and Shine. Uh, Kiwis do have a, a way of bringing together something that on the surface seems almost impossible and possibly chaotic and a disaster in the making, and just making it run seamlessly. I mean, the the Kakura Hop, I thought, was wonderfully run, and it was a big event, I mean, it was a big space, and it was pretty much all volunteers, am I right?
5: Uh, No, in fact, no volunteers. In fact, Fonda and I um, uh, organised and run the event, and we pay everybody oh, to be okay. there, I didn't so, we, that. I didn't so that. We, we gave up on volunteers and unfortunately it's a, an unfortunate thing in small towns and particularly on the earthquake here, um, more so the, everybody was working big long 12 hour days of and course. longer and okay. so looking for volunteers was very very hard and, and people are generous with their time of course but we decided um, for us for going forward pay. We hire staff so every person
0: at that so event. So even you putting the event on you're putting money directly back yep, into the local community.
5: Yeah we put it um, and the event generates probably somewhere in excess of 2.5 million dollars of spend back into the community every year. The event itself is designed for that. It's designed yep. to break even pretty close to and then we um, push all the money back into the community through uh, the spend into the community. So, some people look at it and they go, Well, how does that work? And well, okay, so we're busy this weekend at the motels, so we need more cleaning staff on. So, the cleaning staff get a few extra hours. Those people come in to pay week, the week after the hop, and they go, oh, i do have got a few extra money. So, the kid needs some new shoes, or sure, let's go and um, get some fish and chips or we'll go and do something. So that money getting gets spent back into the community. So it's sort of a win-win for everybody when you look at things as how things work. And in the scheme of things, you go, oh, how much money is it worth? It's worth
0: millions. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. fa- it's fantastic. And yeah. it's, it's great that it's come from the community. It's yeah. great that, it's, it's, you know, it's not just basically people putting their hand out to the government and saying we've had a, a terrible time, <laughs> help us out, which is fair as well. But, I mean, it's... Uh, you guys must have had some decent sponsors. Um, do you want to give... You, no? Wow.
5: Um, Rep, um, Repco and um, Penrite uh, and uh, MPD came on this year. Yep. Sponsors uh, Repco and um, Penrite have been on board for a couple of years now, and MPD came on this year again, and we're just working with new sponsors or similar, the same sponsors for next year. To so cut makes, for
0: me, that makes it even more extraordinary because... Yeah. I, you can see all these things happening and you know the people marshalling the traffic and the 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 rental of that huge space i mean that can't be cheap i I, I, I don't want to know the exact (laughs) figure but no and even even down to kind of you know pushing the bands on and flying idiots like us in i mean that's got to be paid for somewhere and yeah we
5: spent um we spent about sixty eight thousand dollars on putting on the cocker hop last year wow and spent about um and we earned Not quite 70, um, and then we got another bill in after that, so it sort of squared that off nicely. Okay. Yeah, so So that's about where we're looking at, and that's, but that's the cost of the event. The event will cost more this coming year. Um, We're having to make some changes. We caused uh, Kaikaros' first roadblock, but unfortunately, that means that we need to now put on a better traffic management which requires stop go people on the intersection for a few hours, Um, and at some point, they'll either need to be paid for through sponsorship through somebody sponsoring that sure. or we just, the, I mean there was yeah.
0: uh, you know I, I, we were standing up on the hill looking down and we reckoned there was about 1200 cars you reckon it was more than that yeah.
5: Yeah, there was at least 1,200 cars on site. There was I mean, probably the, the, the more cars example. outside and around. And yeah. you know, I mean, we, we had. Um, but this isn't people just turning up in their cars. These were classic cars and hot rods. That's correct. Like, there was probably 500 cars outside of the venue yeah. that didn't come in. On top of it, so you could have there could have easily been 15 to 1,700 cars, um, yeah, classic it, and it, hot rods. That's remarkable. Mm. As
0: well as all those retailers, the people selling vintage clothes. There was the tattoo people there, pinstriping people there. There was everything. I mean, it was like a mini city.
5: Yep, and yep. they—I mean, Repco and Penrite and that—they all had um, stores in there,
0: uh, selling stuff on. So without r- a real major sponsor, you're still breaking even. I mean, yep. that's that's that's, yep. that's <laughs> off to you, <laughs> brilliant mate. That's great. It's it's
5: all a numbers game. We're um, we're just going through the budget uh, for next year. This year, um, right now, um, we've just done last year's books. We have an accountant to run that to make sure that what we're doing is correct. Yep. And then so this year we're just running down our budget. So. We're having to make some changes to where we spend money to, so we can take Rob Peter to pay Paul of for next year. So we're, we're expecting to see a budget for this year probably close to 75G. So how we get that in is, um, is a critical point now is what we're doing. So we're looking at selling more advertising. with A couple of the sponsors we're working with it the moment past sponsors and new sponsors um, as to coming in with sponsor packages and we're working with some other people to see where we can um, actually get some sponsor money and or how we can earn some money to do so. Uh, one of the things we started this year is uh, we will be having a hop shop so we're buying in product wholesale and we'll be retailing it um, to offset some of our income. Great. Yeah Great we also run the bar at the hop so we, we buy um, alcohol and um, and run it through our bar um, to help offset the cost yeah, too. I mean, so no, that's you, all you've got to. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all about number games. So now we're in the number crunching. We sit down, we work out what we need to spend, then we work out how we're gonna get the money back to cover the cost of that. And one one offsets the other, hopefully at the end of the day we all come out smiling and go, Woohoo
0: Well the best of luck next year now. Um Anyone in New Zealand would already know this, but for the overseas listeners, you and um, the lovely Fonda are going to get married at next year's Hop, aren't Correct. You?
5: We're having a Greece-themed um, wedding next year at the uh, Hop, so uh, planning's well underway on that. And, um, yeah, apparently I'm not allowed to arrive in a police car in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, this gentleman got up on the stage in front of like thousands of people and proposed to her, and I've never seen a woman look so... <laughs> Shocked! I was she almost looked in horror. Didn't she? I thought she was going to bolt there for a minute, but yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, poor woman. Oh, well, congratulations, mate! I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's going to be an absolutely fantastic. event. Yeah, and
5: hey, look, everybody's invited. It's cost you ten dollars at the gate to get in. <laughs> Dress up as a T-bird or a pink lady. Come and join us. It's going to be an hilarious. So you're weekend. basically
0: you're inviting the world to your wedding.
5: We're probably going to have one of the biggest weddings in Kaikoura ever, just for a <laughs> laugh. A couple of hours. from... From one to two, then we've got to get back to work and we'll be <laughs> into straight back into Miss Hop straight after that and a few other jobs to do, so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. I really appreciate it.
5: Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate your time and look forward to hearing this. Bye-bye, It's
3: 1962 and the world has reached peak rock and roll. You're at the drive-in waiting to see Elvis in Girls, Girls, Girls. But first, you had to sit through this.
2: An all-American boy sings his way into your hearts. Like thousands of
3: kids who come to Hollywood every year, see Arch Hall Jr. in the swingingest musical action picture of the year. Arch Hall Jr. plays Bud Eagle, a naive country kid who comes to Hollywood and makes it big, but learns show business isn't all it's cracked up to be.
2: Golly, no kidding?
3: This is a comedy that's far funnier when it isn't actually trying to be. Let's say we have a devotion. Yeah,
4: good, good idea. Hey, hey weasel, what's a devotion? You know, like in the army, stupid. First
1: infantry diversion, second infantry diversion. You
3: This is Ray Dennis Steckler's directorial debut who later made films like The Incredibly Strange Creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies, and my personal favorite, low-budget superhero film, Rat Fink-a-Boo-Boo. Hailed as a cult genius by some, Steckler is definitely one of a kind. Though this film is largely cliche, we do see some glimpses of Steckler's signature style of crazy camera work and largely nonsensical script.
1: Kid, this is uh, Daisy. She's gonna teach you how to swing.
3: Hi.
4: So, this is Buddy Boy.
3: The musical numbers and performances are pretty average, but there are some good dance scenes, including an iconic beach scene at the end. Three out of five from me.
0: We're at Rockabilly Show and Shine in New Brighton, uh, near Christchurch in New Zealand. Uh, it's been an absolutely beautiful day, uh, there are thousands of people here, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of beautiful classic cars and hot rods. Uh, you can hear the live music playing in the background, I think it's candy and the rockets at the moment. Uh, there's been some amazing food, uh, lots of vintage clothing, it's been wonderful. I'm here with uh, organiser Robbie Bajant. Hi Robbie. How you going Duncan? So, um, just give us uh, a bit of background on, on how this whole event came about.
2: So Rockabilly Show and Shine started five years ago, this is our fifth event, um, 11 years ago, 10 years ago we had a massive earthquake or sorry, say 2010-2011, yeah. we had some massive earthquakes here It really really decimated this area and part of, of trying to pick the area back up was to try and drive people back into New Brighton. So. We got together with a group and we said, "Hey, let's let's do a car show and have a ball and and just create some atmosphere here." And we did that, and it was a huge success. And then afterwards, the car guys came back to us and said, "Would you do it again?" We thought, you know, why the hell not? It was great fun, so we did it again. And it was a, bigger success. Just, it was a bigger success. Car numbers went from 200 to 250. Um, big stall, and and we you know we'll, we'll just keep running this we'll make it an annual event and and just really drive new brighton back onto the map and and make the place hum for at least one day a year and it's just now two days and we do cruise runs as a as a group every month and then we have this big car event once a year and it's you know this year we've had close on 500 cars into the event probably around 12 to 15,000 people through the gates wow it's done as a community fundraiser um all the, all the funds we raise go back into local community groups so we don't fund big charities we fund each year the New Brighton Christmas Parade fairly- family orientated and um, you know a smaller community group that doesn't get a lot of funding. We've helped out the Catholic Church, Community Gardens, Guardians of Rafiti, so very very locally focused Um, and I think you know after this year we'll have poked probably 25000 $30,000 back into this community and it's a really good feeling.
0: I don't think people outside of New Zealand realise how badly some of the communities were affected. I mean we've been down here two or three times now and um, you can see the high street has still got a large number of shops that are just closed up because they're either awaiting insurance or they're trying to rebuild or trying to get themselves legally safe the pier is still was basically snapped in two wasn't it
2: well the pier moved the pier's been repaired now they there was a lot of fracturing around the bases of the the columns and things but you know to give an idea we lost around 8,000 homes in this area in those earthquakes. So you know that's a big chunkier population that disappears took a long long time for things to get put right, roads and as you say the the central business district here in New Brighton is still very run down and um, you know that's the buildings are earthquake damaged some of it's to do with the owner's lack of interest but um, the, the, this community is extremely strong and um, very very close-knit so when you do something like this they all get together and they get around it and actually make something of it and support it and you yeah, know make sure that whatever we're doing is a real big success yeah,
0: I mean something we noticed last, last year when we were down uh, is the, the, number one the amount of uh, just basically, basically people selfishly throwing their their own time and effort in no one's kind of putting their hand up and saying look at me look what I'm doing just lots of hard work and basically pulling together to try and create something that's really puts the town back on the map, but also it's going to be amazing fun for people and it, it, it's a great event mate I'm mean, oh,
2: and, and thank you and, and you know like you say we're a team we're a small team there's only 11 of us and everybody works really hard we take nothing out of this day we don't get paid all of us do it because we love cars we love the music the clothes the environment and actually just doing something for our community and making a, a, a really special day out of it
0: now obviously um, getting things like this off the ground does cost money. Um, I think it's only fair to mention a couple of the people that have backed you, some of the sponsors.
2: Yeah, it sure does. So we've had some really good sponsors over the years. This year we um, had a few of our existing sponsors come back, so Hammond's Collision Repairs, um, Bell Lamb and Trader, who uh, funnily enough a local funeral director and company, but they've got an amazing uh, Packard hearse and Harley hearse that they bring along for the day um a lot of smaller sponsors but you know the 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 thing with this community our naming sponsor this year is um level one coffee bar or craft beer and coffee bar now that business had been open for two days when i rocked up there and and i said to the owner hey beck i've got an option here for you through a a, an opportunity at her and she was like, hell yeah, we're into that. So, fantastic. you know, a two day old business coming on as our naming sponsor and they've just been absolutely fantastic.
0: Wonderful. Excellent. So give them another plug. So.
2: so that's the the level one craft beer and coffee bar. Um, if you're ever in New Brighton, they're upstairs above south of India, right on the shorefront and the in the main area of New Brighton there. Um, craft beers, wines, A few select spirits, awesome coffee, fantastic venue. You look out over the water or back down the mall. Absolutely amazing, yeah. Brilliant
0: stuff. So, I mean, this is the fifth one.
2: This is our fifth event this year, so. What's the plans um, for next year? Because I know you're already thinking about it. Yeah, Yeah. we're already thinking about it, and and, you know, we let this thing grow pretty organically. this year we've just about filled the area that we've got to, to the max. Um, we'll, we'll see how we go. We've got the space for the next two years now. We'll do the event again the next year and the year after. And If it's still growing we'll look at expanding it and we'll just let it keep growing. And You know, we, we're hoping that um, New Brighton Rockabilly Show and Shine can eventually become the the equivalent of the Whangamata Beach Shop up in the North Island.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely the uh, uh, the lifestyle groups, if you like, and the interest for it on the South Island. And as, as big as Beach Shop is, and it's it's an, an astonishing event. I mean, we we talked to Noddy the other day, and it's just a you know it's, it's a mind blowing. Um, Kind of the, just the organisation and the size of it, but not everybody can get from the South Island up to the North Island. So, I, I, you know, there's definitely a, there's a space there waiting to be filled.
2: Yeah, there is. I mean, there's a lot of car events in, in the South Island and they're all different and they've all got their own thing. I think what we do here is, is more about family orientation, yeah. creating a really fun day for everybody, a day where people come along and, you know, we're at the end of the day now. Still got a third of the cars here, there's still probably a couple of thousand people milling around the event. So we've created an event that you can come to in the morning, you can stay here all day, you can have a lot of fun and it does something for our community at the end of and the-
0: something I think worth uh, mentioning is that you've just got volunteers on the gate and it's a gold coin donation.
2: Gold coin donation, so you know we we will change that over time. Um, but the, the whole idea is not to make a lot of money uh, in the event itself the idea is to bring people into the district and get them coming back down the track and supporting the local businesses and bars and CAFs and everything that makes New Brighton what it is
0: Fantastic. Look, thank you so much for talking to us Robbie and we'll see you at the Rockabilly Hop tonight.
2: You sure will Duncan, it's going to be fantastic. Thanks mate, bye bye.
0: And now it's the time that we reveal the answer to the vintage trivia. I know you're all massively excited. Are oh, you
3: Oh yes, I'm I'm You look excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm oh uh, yeah. She's Just, standing
0: up, she's not on the edge of a seat at all. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, the question was what were the Madison, the swim, the mashed potato, the frug, the watusi, the shake and the hitchhike? Uh, you
3: know this. I'm I'm doing them right now. She is. It is. All the coolest dance crazes from the 1960s.
0: Indeed, it was. Now, the, the, I mean, there was hundreds. There was a period of about three or four years where every single song invented a dance and had it in the lyrics, and it was kind of one of those things in the nightclubs that you know you'd learn this week's dance and you know
3: it's. I say we bring that back.
0: Absolutely. I'm not sure I want to do the jerk, the chicken, the pony or the dog particularly, though, which were other dances.
3: <laughs> well, my personal favourite is the watusi, which you may remember from the uh, 1960s um, Batman ah, yes. and Robin TV show. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, that was one of the more surreal moments of an already very surreal show how, Yeah, how did that happen? Him and Robin
0: were, doing, were kind of standing there with their it capes
3: was, it, was, it was a sort of an attack, wasn't it? They were trying to confuse the villains I think they succeeded Retrogasmic
0: Uh, That's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, As always if you listen on iTunes, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. If you're listening via one of the many other streaming services, do subscribe to us. That helps us as well. We do appreciate it. See you next time.
3: See ya. Bye. Retrogasmic
4: guess me